Here we go. Dating is kind of a big deal. Um, I feel like we've got to start this talk well, or else we're just going to like stumble right out of the gates. So we have to like nail our start, right? Okay, so the gun's going off. Here we go. You ready? Okay, here we are. We're talking about dating. So what I want to first say is how we relate to dating reveals how, who we believe can fulfill us. I'll say it again. How we relate to dating reveals to us who we believe can fulfill us. The Lord or a spouse. That's kind, of, that's kind of what's at stake here. And even, even bigger than that, here in SPO, we're about transforming culture, right? That's what we're here to do. Our, our, our tagline, be a transformational people. It's going to come out more in the rebranding coming your way soon, <laughs> in the, probably next month here. But be a transformational people. That's like our new like, tagline, mission statement, like moving forward. Be a transformational people. Because we believe that transform people transform culture. And transform people get into transformed marriages, which create transformed families, which transform the church, which transforms the world. You see where we're going here? Yeah. To see why this is important? This is, this is a big deal. And there's a lot of spiritual backing to what we're going to talk about today. But a lot of that is actually implicit in who is SPO. We, that's what we did actually last semester, was that entire course. And we heard some talks on worship where Joe crushed it, preached from Revelation. We heard talks on our charismatic and liturgical spirituality. We heard from Exodus. We heard from like our call there. We heard about our call to maturity a lot from Philippians and James and this, this teleos, this, this call we have before. So there's a lot of like scripture behind this talk. We're not necessarily going to be like ripping open the scriptures the whole time on this, but this is kind of like extrapolating a lot of those things we established. So this is the shameless plug. Uh, listen to some of those talks on the podcast if you haven't. Um, if you have, check them out again. I've done it a few times. It's every single time it's fruitful. Maybe during one of your prayer times, pop in your headphones and listen to a podcast. I promise God won't mind. Um, he's going he's to speak. He's going to work. Maybe you walk into class, pop him in, listen to him. Uh, but that's a lot, that's a lot like, like the, 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 the foundation of what we're talking about tonight. You guys tracking with me? Um, so, so why talk about dating? There's a couple things I said. Another thing to say is what else has the power to like, change and orient all your relationships and time in such a way that dating can? in a positive way or in a negative way, right? It's pretty, it's, it's pretty pivotal. If we get this right, we can be catapulted forward. If we get it wrong, we just get in this like vacuous hole of suck that drains our life and the people around us, right? We've all seen that happen. Um, so this is important. And again, we said it, we believe that actually strong families are the building block to society. And if SPO, if we're going to take serious our call to transform culture, we've got to plant our flag here and we've got to do it right. And if you think about it, vocational decisions are some of the only decisions that impact the rest of your life. You don't know necessarily where you'll be living in 20 years, who your friends will be, what you'll be doing. But once you make a decision for marriage or religious life, you're saying, hey, 20 years from now, I don't know where I'll be or who I'll be with or what I'll be working, but... I know I'm going to be with this person in, or this community if um, you just in religious life. So that's a big deal. So dating is a big deal because it gets us there. A couple of caveats. Um, SPO doesn't have a dating policy. This talk isn't like a sneaky way <laughs> to talk about SPO's dating policy um, because there isn't one. <laughs> These are just some principles and some wisdom and some experience of others. Um, and it's because we think it's a part of living a radical life, is dating well. And that's what we're talking about this semester. Also, this talk isn't meant to judge anyone. I'm not here tonight, John's not here tonight, because you want to stand up on a pedestal and say, shame on you. Um, we're here because we love you and we really care about dating well. We care about this topic. We want you to thrive. We want you to have relationships that are fruitful and joyful. Um, the responsorial song today at Mass was, With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. And that's just something we can keep in mind when it comes to dating and our past and our future. Um, after our own experience of dating, we know that dating well can be difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, and we're incredibly grateful for the people who walked with us. And had it not been for them, we probably wouldn't be married right now. And then Roland would be here, and 
Ellie yeah. wouldn't be here. Her Who knows what else might not have happened. So um, we don't want you to be robbed of the joys and fruits of a dating relationship or a marriage built with Christ. All right. So there's our start. We're going. We're moving. All right. So let's begin. So seven habits of highly effective people has a rule. It's called start with the end in mind. It's like talking about death with your business class. It's like when you design your life, you've got you to start with the end in mind. Or else you're going to miss something. Well, in dating, it's the same principle. Let's begin with the end in mind. And that means that the end of dating is marriage. marriage. Yeah, there we go. That's great. We're, we're getting it. So, again, dating is for marriage. Marriage is for family. Family is for the church. Church is for the world. That's how this thing works. So when we start strong, we can end strong. We start messed up, we got to get back on path somewhere in the middle there, and it just gets messier. And you guys are in a prime position to start well. Like, how blessed are you sitting in this room right now to be able to think about these things right now? To dive deep. You have brothers and sisters who support you, who are working with you. Um, so I think there's, in, in the, there's a lot of, like, the lie that can seep in right off the bat in dating is that dating is for me. I think that's kind of what we see in the world a lot. We think that dating's for primarily for my self-discovery. Or dating can be for my companionship, because I'm lonely. Dating can be for my fulfillment. Dating can be for my enjoyment. And all those things are part of it, but sometimes we can think those become the main thing. So the air we breathe in our culture is, kind of revolves around you, does it not? I think about this often. I think about the entire marketing structure. Like, Google exists because of marketing. Like, is that the third largest company in the world? Exists because of basically marketing. And their whole game is to get you to constantly be thinking about your insecurities and where you lack in your life. So we, we, these thoughts are bombarded to us. Like, oh, you need this. Oh, you're not good enough without this. Like, we get these thoughts a lot, so we're insecure. And it kind of, we kind of, like, start turning in on ourselves. But this is not how God works, brothers and sisters. Uh, Andrew, in his talk, his first talk he gave for this series, which I highly encourage you to check out again on the podcast, he talked about we're on a sailboat, right? You guys remember that? Some head nods like we're on a sailboat and we're journeying somewhere. And I love, I love that analogy because on a sailboat, you can, you can kind of just drift. And if we just drift in this topic, we're not going to be taken to where we need to be. We need to have our eyes fixed on a destination because even if the wind's against us, we can still get there, right? Because we reset the rigging and we zigzag there, even if the wind is against us. We have to have a target, and the target is the Lord. The target is Greater love has no man than this, let a man lay down his life for his friends. Right? That's our target. That's what Jesus came to show us, came to really and to empower us to do with his Holy Spirit. Right? Amen? So that's where we're going. Good. So here's, here's some history as we get rolling here. This is the history part. Um, historically, like, dating had kind of three general aspects to it. Okay? The first was it had its intention was towards marriage. There was no recreational dating back in the day. And we're saying maybe pre-1950s, we're talking. Uh, typically, the parents were involved. It was like a family endeavor. You know, they, like, the couple would like, walk around the front yard while the dad like, polished his shotgun or something. <laughs> or like bow and arrow, I don't know. Um, three, sexual intimacy was saved for marriage. I mean, I'm sure people cheated back then, but that was, that was, that was the current of the culture. And we can see how these three things have kind of shifted in a post-sexual revolution world, have they not? Uh, Intention was towards marriage. I mean, recreational dating is kind of the thing now. It's like, I'm lonely, I'm going to have a girlfriend because I'm bored. I need a boyfriend because it's going to you know, fulfill me in some ways. Two, the parents are involved. Typically, people are kind of on their own when they're dating. Like, maybe, praise God, if you have parents who are involved and can help you give some advice, awesome. But typically, you don't really have any mentors or other couples walking alongside you. You're just kind of like, peace out, figure it out. You got this. And then three, the sexual intimacy. Usually, we set barometers for our relationships by how physically intimate we are, you know? So the results in the last 50 years, 70 years, are bleak, are they not? We got a 50% divorce rate. Um, we got to do something different. So as we kind of launch into this, you can be kind of in, in a few places, I, I would say. One is like, shoot, there's no way I can approach this, what you're saying. Um, maybe there's a lot of discouragement bubbling up. Uh, this, it just, this doesn't, it's not jiving. What I say to that is there's always hope. Like Anna did an excellent job with the response to real psalm. But with the Lord, there's mercy and fullness of redemption. The Lord is at work. Um, just turn to him and allow him, to take, allow him to lead you to take small steps. Another approach you can have is like, ah, like, I'm engaged. Right, Mitch? Where's Mitch Clooney at? We were joking. No, he's right there. 
were joking earlier. It's like, yeah, this is the dating talk. You've passed it all. But no, no, no. If you're engaged, like, there's a lot to this you can still um, bring to your relationship and actually set yourself up for a lifelong um, relationship that's really fruitful and centered on the Lord. Another thing you say is like, ah, I'm like kind of leaning towards like priesthood, religious life. Like, this isn't for me. Well, actually, what I say is, the Lord, there's still things in here and how to relate to men and women well in your current state that can set you up for success. And two, you can take some principles from here to maybe help other people you're walking with who are dating, friends, and uh, other people, right? So there's, there's, there's things for all of us here tonight. Um, and it's also, I think it's easy to say like, oh, John, that's just like the world does dating screwed up. But like, we're an SPO and we're like, we're clean. We're washed in the blood of the lamb. And we're like, you know, like we don't do stuff like that. But that's BS. Because none of us is an exception. Amen? Thanks, man. I was like, we're none of us are the exception. When we live life like that, we're screwed. It's not going to turn out well. We have to realize soberly that we are not an exception. Good. So, because I think, I know in my own life, um, the temptation was always there. Like, ah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm following the Lord. You know, I'm even serving the SPO. I'm like trying to discern the Lord's vocation. But these lies would creep in. These lies would say stuff like, if I marry the right person, it will all work out. Or, or if I marry that person, I'm going to be fulfilled. Or, I'm not worthy of marriage because I'm not funny enough, I'm not talented enough, etc. Or, I can see a spouse as a prize to be won rather than a gift to be received. Sometimes, some of us, can, we can watch movies, books, romance novels, where romance is glorified and portrayed in unrealistic ways, and we can think, like, that's, that's what I want, that's it, that's the ideal. Sometimes we can think that we need to do more than just being a radical disciple to attract a spouse. Sometimes we can treat men or women that we're attracted to differently than other men and women in public settings. All these things are kind of things that can attach themselves to us if we're not careful, that can draw us away from the true meaning of like actually following the Lord and offering our entire life, all my life, the rest of my life to him. So the point is, in the world, we don't have messed up marriages. We have messed up people getting married. So that's really what I want to talk about tonight is how can we, in our hearts, be transformed people who enter into transformed relationships. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about reasons why we need to be ready for marriage before dating. Um, there's a helpful principle. It's the 18-month principle. And the thought is, think in your mind, will I be reasonably ready spiritually, financially, personally, to be married in 18 months if I start dating now? And why 18 months? Because it's a time frame that we can grasp. We can have a reasonable idea about a year and a half from now. Five years is like, who knows what will happen. Um, also, fun fact, chemically, 18 months is when infatuation starts to wear off. So if you ever want to look up science behind attraction, it's really fascinating. There's a lot of um, hormones and chemicals happening. Anyways, 18 months... <laughs> It's a good time frame for dating. Um, so think about what well, you're ready to marry in around 18 months from now. So what does readiness for marriage look like? It means you need to be a perfect person. I know. Ready does not equal perfect. We're always trying to grow in perfection, grow in holiness. Um, but there are some things we can do to be reasonably ready. Um, so what does it mean to be spiritually ready? It means you've made a fundamental decision to follow Jesus. It means you have discovered that Jesus is enough, that he can satisfy your deepest longings. It means your identity is built on Christ and not defined on your relationships. It means that you're praying more often than not. You're reasonably ready spiritually if you've experienced freedom to love and be loved. And sometimes this requires digging into your past a little bit and is addressing some wounds um, is a good thing to do before you start dating. It means you are free to discern God's call for your life before you jump into a relationship. I had a friend who started a relationship and then realized she hadn't really thought about God's call in her life. And then she broke up and tried to discern her religious life and it's just kind of messy. So why not do that before you jump into a relationship for your sake and for the sake of the person you're dating? And the fruit of being spiritually ready is that you are freed from making a relationship happen 
and instead you are free to follow the Lord in his timing. So you are freed from making a relationship happen. The burden's not on you to make it happen. You can trust in the Lord. Um, and this is part of going all in, all my life for the rest of my life. What bigger area than your future uh, to trust the Lord in? And until you turn the corner of making Jesus the Lord of your life, all of my life for the rest of your life, this talk is really just a bunch of silly rules. Um, because it's not about the rules, it's not about the principles, it's about following Jesus and seeking him with your whole life. And this isn't just like, oh yeah, I, I said Jesus is the Lord of my life one time, um, but let it sink in, take up habits of um, growing spiritually. Uh, what does it mean to have personal maturity? So next bullet point for those who follow outlines. Um, it means you have personal maturity if you are responsible for the things in your life. If you're able to keep your commitments to work, to study, um, to getting up on time. If you can't commit to the small things, you won't have the ability to maintain your long-term commitments. Um, being personal, having personal maturity means that you're intentional with your time. Um, you don't find yourself watching six hours of Netflix on accident. Um, you, you know what you want to do with your time. You're using it well. Personal maturity means you're growing in character, that you're thinking about the virtues, that you're trying to grow in them. You can make your bed in the morning, um, that you can choose good and right, even when the wind doesn't blow our way to use the sailing analogy. Um, and you have a certain level of personal maturity if you know yourself. Life changes a lot, but there's a certain level we can get to that helps us date well. That means you've started working on your bad habits, that you've started creating new good habits, you know your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, I know a friend who kind of just did the next thing, the next thing she Got, went to college, got married right out of college, started having kids, that's the next thing. And now she's experiencing a bit of a crisis in her life because her kids don't need all her attention anymore. And she realized she never took the time to think about her hobbies or her passions or what she wanted in life. She just did the next thing. So I don't want that for you. And now is a perfect time to be thinking about what your passions are, what your strengths or weaknesses are. And service is another area of personal maturity. I know a lot of you are serving in ways you're on committees, you um, help out on retreats, but I want you to think about your heart. In the day-to-day, -day, do you have a heart of service? Um, are you approaching life in how I serve? Uh, this is super important before you start dating. Uh, marriages are won and lost over unwashed dishes. Um, figuratively, <laughs> but it is—it's the little—it's the little things that add up that become the big things. It's not washing the dishes that shows your character or lack of character, um, and that's something we can start to do now. And are you ready for the person you'll marry to see the different areas of your life, or are you in a habit of hiding what's hard to show and putting on a face? So those are some things to be thinking about. It. Like, am I spiritually ready to have personal maturity? John's going to talk about financial readiness. Yeah, financial readiness. Um, the average debt of a college student these days is 28000 That's a recent number. If you get married, double that, talking about sixty k. And, I mean, we can make it work. You can, you know live by candlelight, eat some beans for a while. Um, but it's just something, something to consider is like, you know, the financial readiness piece. And then two, um, as a, you know, going out into the world, do you have a plan? If you're looking to start dating, part of that 18 months is, okay, how am I gonna make money? You know, that needs to be part of that plan. Um, what's my direction? And you wanna make sure that you don't just fall into something, um, but you're actually pursuing something that, uh, that makes sense for how the Lord's working and leading you in your life. Um, yeah. Good. So this says here, um, ladies, if a guy comes to you and has like zero plan for how he's gonna make money in his life, like watch out. You know, like that would be like a red flag that should be going off in your head. So um, dating without readiness for marriage can stop us from keeping the main thing the main thing. Okay. So what I mean by that is the main thing is our foundation of identity in the Lord. 
who I am and what God says about me. And that's what dictates how I view myself, how I operate in the world, what decisions I make. Um, that's, like, that's like the main thing. And everything else flows from that, right? So there's this, there's this myth that can kind of creep in there and can kind of torpedo that, and it's called the right person myth. Andy Stanley talks about this. Uh, there's a great series he does called uh, Love, Sex, and Dating. And he says that this says, if I marry the right person, everything will be perfect, right? Like, if, like they'll be super patient, so they'll, like, help me with my impatience. Like, they'll be really loving, and that, like, really, like, compliment my, like, like, anger and harshness. It's like, well, the problem is, like, they're probably thinking the same thing. So you guys get together, it, it ain't going to work. So what he'd say is, he has this little catchy phrase. You guys ready for this? He says, we should become the kind of person that we are looking for is looking for. Become the kind of person that you are looking for is looking for. You guys hear that? Become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. So what you shift from this searching to a becoming in our single years, right? And the best advice I ever heard someone gave me as a single person was, stop worrying about dating. What you should do is fix your eyes on the Lord and run as hard as you can after him. And then when the Lord says, okay, now look next to you and see who's running in that same direction at that same speed. And then you should ask them out. And that's, that's, that was like, it's like, dang, that's good. And for me, that was, I was 20, 25. That's when the Lord was like, okay, start looking. Um, it wasn't mean I wasn't looking before. I had to kind of, you got you to readjust, right? Like thoughts come in. But that was excellent because that was my, focusing my years on becoming and running after the Lord and then the Lord leading that process. So, gosh, in college, there's really four huge questions, maybe in life, actually, we'll say in life, but I think college gives you an opportunity to answer them. These four questions are, who does God want you to be? Who does God want you to be? That focuses on the becoming part of things, right? And then two, what does God want you to do? It is always problematic to think about what you're going to do before you decide who you're going to be. Oh, I thought that was your foot. Um, once you answer these questions, which is you have a tremendous opportunity to do that in college, especially in SPO with this community, um, then you can start to a- a- ask these other questions. The third question is, what vocation does he want me to live this out in? What vocation does he want me to live this out in? And the final question, who does he want me to do this with, if marriage? And you know, the funny thing is, the weird thing is, we actually twist this and actually put the whole thing backwards a lot of times. First thing we do is like, oh, her, she's cute. I'm definitely called to marry her. I'm called to marriage. So boom, we answer the, we answer the last two questions right off the bat. We know who, we know what it is. I'm totally called to marriage. Like, God, I know it. I know it because she's so beautiful. And then we say, well, I really like her. We get married, so I better get that job now. And then we kind of, the afterburner is like, who I'm going to be. It's like, I don't know, let's be a dad. I'll be a good guy. Right? And we just inverted the entire process. It's, it's, I heard that once, and it just like, that was, that was a watershed moment for me. I just saw through the ways that this can be turned on its head. And the way the process is supposed to work is who you're going to be, what you're going to do, and then what vocation, and then with whom. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a little bit digging into what's at stake. Um, if we start dating before we're reasonably ready, uh, it leads to a death of to a death or intimacy that does not match the relationship. So it's writing checks that your relationship cannot cash. And this is both physically and emotionally. Um, The culture really idealizes and puts on a pedestal like where you're moving physically um, in a fast-paced connection in this whirlwind romance. Um, And that's not going to set us up well. You're get caught up in it and you're not able to to really have a relationship that is Christ-centered and um, so this happens even before we start dating it can happen when we have an attraction and we think too much about that attraction or we start um, spending time with that person and we're essentially dating but we haven't called it dating yet you all know this you've experienced this or seen it um, and what happens when we do that is that um, that when 
we go to seek wisdom, we go to seek advice, we've already made up a decision. We've already decided I want to date this person. You've already written checks um, for the relationship. And then you're not open to advice or wisdom or people speaking into your life. Um, I have talked to a lot of women who, by the time they talk to me about a dating relationship, they've already decided they're dating this person and they've already made up their mind because um, they were essentially dating before calling it dating. So don't be that person. This is a big decision in your life and you want people to speak into it. Um, and so don't be the person who is closed off um, and don't be the person, don't be that way. <laughs> um, and this is how we, this affects how we talk to other people, how we relate, how we um, interact with them. If you're having a lot of emotional conversations, if you're spending one-on-one -on -one time and you feel like others are intruding on that time, um, with people who you aren't dating, this is just this isn't setting you up to begin the dating relationship well, and it's a distraction. Um, and then physically, once you start dating, or even before you start dating, um, when you start to push boundaries, when you start to ask the questions like "How far is too far?", um, you you aren't setting yourself up well, you are saying um, there's the physical pull and you are thinking you are stronger than that. And none of us here are the exception. I think it's really easy to think, well, I won't be that person. Um, but we are that person. All of us are that person because we're people. Um, and I know of a lot of people, I know a woman who was in household and was really, she came from a great family, she was really eager to grow in her faith, to say all of my life for the rest of my life, and she was studying Catholic studies, and like was wanting to save intimacy for marriage, and would talk about it, and her intentions to have a good dating relationship, and um, she started dating somebody, and they pushed the boundaries. They thought, we're the exception. We're not going to be those people. And she ended up sleeping with him, and um, they broke up, and it kind of wrecked her for a few years. And I know I had a seminarian friend who just turned out of seminary, like, good, committed Catholic guy. Um, he started dating someone. They had a kid. They were trying to figure out if they were wanting to get married, and this is to say that we're not the exception, and if we start to think we're the exception, then we're deceiving ourselves. Um, Andy Stanley says, no one ever says, man, I wish we would have gotten physical sooner, and that is true. Um, so, also, dating before being ready can isolate us from vital relationships in our life. Men, how do you learn how to be a man? from other men. Women, how do we learn how to be a woman from other women? And if we're really focused and zoomed on on a relationship before we're ready, we're missing that time of growth. We're missing that sisterhood and that brotherhood. Um, and often we do this, we jump right into relationships before we're ready because we choose the thrill of relationships over our own personal growth, over this time to grow, this time to mature personally, to grow spiritually. And the great irony of this is that when we choose the thrill of relationships over growth in virtue, is this very lack of virtue later that robs us of the thrill of relationships. The great irony is that when we choose the thrill of relationship over the growth in virtue, it is this very lacking virtue that gets in the way of the thrill of relationships. And that kind of is a thesis for this whole talk. Like, choose growth, choose holiness, choose the Lord, and the relationship will come. If we put the relationship first, at the expense of that, uh, we lose good relationship in the end. And none of us want that. Um, 
And solid sisterhood and brotherhood matters even after we are married. I remember after John and I got married, I was talking to somebody, well, I was talking to John about something, and I ended it with, you know? And he said, no. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I want to support you, I want to understand you, but I have no idea. And then I was talking to my small group, and I was like, you know? And they were like, yes, absolutely. And they started pouring, like, encouragement and wisdom into my life. So, I love John. He's awesome. But I love my sisters. And I'm so glad I built that foundation of sisterhood before we got married. Good. It's a true story. Uh, the how. So how are we going to transform culture through transform marriages of transform people? This is, this is some more practical stuff and uh, maybe more on the offensive, if you will. And uh, what I want to say here is I was, um, I don't know how I found out, but like this summer there's like some, like some Instagram stuff or I found out like some, these Christian pastors were like losing their faith and there's like a few of them. They made like a bigger deal than it was. And one of the guys was the guy who wrote, um, who, uh, wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which was just like, watershed book in the late 90s about like courtship and it brought courtship into like the mainstream Christian world really big in the Bible belt where I'm from uh, and he was divorcing his wife and people were like oh, how can that happen he's like the guru and, it, and there ever this kind of scathing article of, like this person who was kind of hurt by this culture and apparently the culture said like if you like you know do these rules and court instead of date and like do all these things right then like God will bless you with like a perfect husband and awesome sex you know, and like, if you wait till you're married, it's going to be the best thing ever. And like, people are like, that didn't happen to me. Like, I was lied to. And I was just like, who told you that? Like, who thinks that's how God works? Like, let's see, I, I check these boxes and then God blesses me with everything I ever desired. Here we go. It's exactly like I thought it would be. Like, that's not how it works. Like, is there fruitfulness? Yes. Is there joy? Yes. Is it exactly as you have conceived in your mind right now? No. Like, that's not how this works. So I just want to say that off the bat because I was just like, people, like, that's like, in the water that we breathe sometimes? The, air, the, the water that we breathe. We're not fish. Uh, that's in the air that we breathe. And uh, I just want to like call it out right now. That's like not how this works. Good. All right. So the how. One, prepared. So this is consider not dating until you're free, clear, ready for marriage. Right? We've said that. Um, but this needs to be discerned. And an excellent tool for discerning this is actually committing to being single for a season. And what this looks like is putting, is I really asking the Lord, like, Lord, am I, um, you call me to date right now. Am I, am I, you want me to get married in the next 18 months? He's like, uh, chill, you're a freshman in college. Uh, I'm like, all right, great. So this next year, I'm going to commit to being single for the Lord. And something the Lord invites you to, sometimes it's some other guys doing it. And, uh, but it, it really is this, this season where you say, Lord, this next year is for you. And you don't have to worry, if, like, you know, some girl comes along in a few months, you're like, oh man, she's great. Well, you know what? I gave this year to the Lord and he's not going to screw me over. And that, that saying yes to him actually deepens your faith and cements your commitment to him and he, he blesses that and you grow. It doesn't mean it's easy. Single for season is not a checklist. Like you do it one year and then God's going to like bless everything. It's not how it works, but it's part of the process of maturation. Um, I know in my own life, it's been a huge blessing. I was introduced to it. I had a girlfriend, broke up in junior year, into my junior year. Um, and that senior year was kind of just like, it's kind of de facto be single. And then my first year on staff, they had Curtis take a dating fast. But then after that, I kind of heard the Lord saying like, how about a little bit more? Because I said yes a couple times and he blessed it. And I was like, actually, I'm hungry for more of this. So if you had told me my in my junior year, I broke up with her. I'd be like, I'll probably be dating in a year or so. But like the Lord kind of like, he took that spot. I gave him a yes. He moved me somewhere. I gave him a yes. He moved me somewhere. And that's kind of how this works. Is when we say yes, God moves us and propels us closer to him. And that's how this whole single first season thing is. Um, yeah, you want to say something about that? Yeah, just that it's awesome um, if you haven't tried being single for a season. I know I, there was a few times during my college and young adult life where I had seasons of being single and the fruits of it are you can gain freedom to see men as brothers or sister, women as sisters instead of potential spouses. And if you don't think you do this, try being single for a season and you'll realize that you do it. Um, you can give all of yourself to the Lord and allow him to change you. True love is tested love or 
tested love is true love is what Andrew was talking about, and this is the way to test your love for the Lord and see if it's true. Are you willing to hold nothing back, even your future, even your timeline? And the Lord blesses that. And you get to know yourself because you're not trying to impress someone. I know as women, we are so relationally focused. It's really easy to see who we are through the eyes of someone else, especially in a relationship. And, or even in thinking, is this guy attracted to me? Is this guy giving me attention? And when you say, no, I'm going to take a season where I'm not going to be thinking about that, you're able to get to know yourself um, through the eyes of the Lord and not through the eyes of someone else primarily. And this is, this is slightly different than just like, oh, I'm single for a year, that's single for a season. This is more of like a commitment thing, something the Lord kind of calls you into. I've seen it be really successful. I remember my first year here in 2013, there's a group of uh, guys, and someone brought it forward, and, and like pitched the idea. And like five of them like went all in on this, and it actually like transformed Ohio State. That was like we had two households, two men's houses, two women's houses. And by the time they graduated, we had four men's houses, four women's houses. And their yes kind of like built this chapter. A few of those guys got married right out of school. Praise God! Like they did it for a couple years, and then like found um, no, they they knew who their spouse was, but they just decided to stay single as they knew them and started date senior year. And the Lord immensely blessed that. And let's say that's like what's in store for you. Like He'll do that if you do this thing. That's not how God works. But again, the Lord can go beyond your understanding of your future right now. And that's kind of that's what's at stake here: is this fruitfulness beyond your current understanding? If we offer more of our lives to the Lord, all my life, the rest of my life. Uh, two, purposeful. Um, relationships today can get going so fast and they get so emotionally charged, right? That they're based more on chemistry than character. But the funny thing about chemistry is you can have chemistry with a thousand different people. Chemistry is not that special. And chemically, like Anna said, like this, uh, this Harvard medical article we were reading talks about, it's an 18-month thing. Like chemistry just comes and goes. You can have chemistry with a ton of people. And sometimes we can base our relationship off chemistry and not a solid pace that, and getting to know them and a right level of intimacy as we ramp up, right? So I was talking to my, um, I remember my family, and she was talking to this guy she really likes and how much chemistry they have. And that was the word she kept using. I was like, you, I was like sister, I love you, but you can have, like, you're, you're fun, you're talkative, you connect with people. You can have chemistry in 5,000 guys in this city in one weekend if you wanted to. Like, you're not selling me on this. You know, there's something deeper we need to look at besides just chemistry. While it isn't good, it's not the thing. So, good. And this, this pace, if we, if we submit ourselves to this purposeful pace in a relationship, we can start to, like, weed through some of the, um, the data, if you will, about this person. Like, understanding them, who they are, their vision for life, the direction they're going, without all these chemicals, maybe just saying, like, go for it, and distorting our brain. So, the Lord wants to... Um, Oh, this is you. Here you go. Yeah. I'm sure you have good things to say. Uh. Um, I know waiting can be hard. Being single can be difficult. Um, but waiting is really good. And the Lord wants to use seasons of waiting in powerful ways. And what's more difficult than waiting and being single is being married to someone who you find out you don't have the same vision of life for because you didn't take the time to be ready. Um, and the Lord has always used times of waiting. It's kind of one of the things he does. It's not really popular in our culture to wait, to be patient, to not drive for your agenda. But it's biblical. Um, just the Bible is filled with people waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on the Lord. And he uses those times in really powerful ways to speak to his people and... <coughs> If you find yourself waiting, the Lord's going to use that time to speak to you in a powerful way if you're listening and not um, being anxious about it. And for women, um, if you can't trust a man to lead in your relationship, then it, how can you trust him to lead your family or lead your future? It's not like once you get married, he's all of a sudden going to be like, I think I'll lead now. Um, so wait, wait for him to take the initiative. Um, don't settle. People don't change that much, and people aren't our projects. And don't start dating someone because you think you can change them. Um, if you're annoyed with them now, you'll be 100 times more annoyed with them when you're married. Um, 
And turning down a guy is good. Like if someone asks you out, it's okay to turn him down even if he's a good guy. It's okay to start dating and decide you don't want to date this person anymore. Um, because there's more than just being a good person to having a good relationship and a good marriage. And the right person at the wrong time equals the wrong person. He needs to be ready, you need to be ready. John and I joke, but it's true, that if he would have asked me out when he was in college, I wouldn't have gone out with him. It's true. Um, 100% true. And maybe vice versa. I don't know if he would have asked me out in college. I would have. So he was the right person, obviously, but if he hadn't taken the time to discern and to follow the Lord, um, he would have been the wrong person because it was the wrong time. So like, we knew each other for eight years before we started dating. It's a lot of waiting. Um, and I, we've already said this, but this time right now that you have in your early 20s in college is really important. It's a time you can start building your habits. It's a time you can focus on what the Lord is calling you to do. And that it's, you won't get that time back. I have two kids now. What I can do is drastically limited. Like The amount of time I can spend in prayer without someone coloring on me or crying or throwing up on me is very limited. And I'm so grateful that I took the time in college to establish these habits. And um, you don't get that time back. And so focus on the Lord now, all of my life for the rest of your life. And give yourself to brotherhood and sisterhood now. And run fast to the Lord now. And, um, and this is the time to do it. Don't wait. I'm sorry for coloring on you all the time. <laughs> All right, we got it. We're, we're we're close to landing the plane here. Uh, Pure. So we have we have a nice alliteration here in the house. You guys notice that? I, I appreciate that. Prepared, purposeful, prioritized, and pure. So before dating, this this is purity before dating. Believe it or not, it exists. Um, so before dating is, is about guarding our hearts. We love that phrase, right? Every Christian group ever. All right. So what this means is our be- so the principle is. Um, our behavior while we are dating and before we date sets the tone for how we'll act when we're married. So, men, uh, the way you learn to treat women when you're committed to no women is how you will learn how to relate to all women when you're committed to one woman. Okay, can I say that again? That's kind of a complicated, it's a funky way to say it. But, <laughs> so the way you relate to women when you're committed to no women is how you're going to learn how to relate to all women when you're committed to one woman. So let's say um, I'm really thankful for my years of leaning into this because um, I learned how to not give preferential treatment to certain women. Or if there's like a little like, oh, that was a great conversation. I learned not how to like lean into that a little bit more. And then I had like these kind of like times where I like lean into like, oh, she's kind of nice. I want to like get a little more, maybe like an intimate conversation. Like, there's no commitment here, but I just like getting to know this person really well because it's really fun and exciting. And I do this with like four different women. Um, I can't, like, that Anna wouldn't really appreciate if I did that now. So I had to, have to learn how to do the skills of how to treat all women equally as sisters. And again, asking good questions, taking interest in their life, then learning how to do that in a healthy way that honors and respects them as a person and not overstanding myself. So that's really important, the purity before relationships. Um, women. Men are, live in a physical realm in our head. That's just kind of how things work. So, like, modesty is really helpful. And this is, again, it's a two-way street because we got to work too. But if, you, if you're dressing modestly, like, men are just, the, the more men see of your body, the less they see of you. That's kind of how things work. Um, and I don't think it's really a problem in this community, but it's just something to take into consideration. Uh, you're, you're going. You're not off the hook, though, man. Just need to. <laughs> um, to the men, women are really relational. And an intimate conversation that might not be that big of a deal to you is going to be a big deal to her. And I can't stress this enough. Um, don't lead women on. I know you're not trying to, but don't do it. Um, don't have intimate conversations. Don't share overly personal details with women about your life. You have brothers for that. And it 
you, when you do that, you're not helping. You're depriving her of her freedom and giving herself to the Lord. You're clouding her mind. She's going to be thinking about that conversation. She's going to be wondering what your intentions are. It's going to be confusing. And what's more than that, don't tell her you like her unless it's part of the conversation, unless what follows is, and I want to date you. So don't tell her that you like her unless you're going to follow that with, do you want to go out with me? And don't, don't do it. Don't lead women on. You might think it, it's honoring that she knows that someone likes her. It's not. Um, it might be, but it's not helpful. And yeah, I guess I get worked up about it a little bit. Um, and to the women, hear what a man is actually saying and not what you want him to say. If he hasn't asked you out, then you're not dating. And if he hasn't asked you out, then don't spend time wondering if he will or if he could or if maybe you're dating but maybe you're not. Just wait for him to ask you out. And until then, um, don't be thinking about it. There's grace for reality. There's not grace for wishful thinking. Um, and watch out Facebook, Instagram, wedding photographers, Pinterest, some way we can guard our minds. Um, your mind and your energy are valuable, and you don't want to waste them on what's not real. And so focus on the Lord and what he wants for you. And Yeah. Good. Purity during dating. I still need that guy. There we go. So the um, reason we got to be cautious about this is because we risk serious sin, do we not? Um, the great analogy I heard one time is, you guys ever driven a stick shift? and tried to parallel park it while facing downhill. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like when we get a little too physical in a relationship. It's like we're just working against gravity here. Like our bodies are made a certain way. So when we kind of put this on the line, the momentum's against us. And that's a kind of a good analogy for testing boundaries in our relationship early on, really at any point. So we also, more than that, we risk building the wrong foundation because we all, our bodies understand how to be physical. It's actually quite natural. But there's so much more to a relationship. Our relationship is more than just physical. It's, there's an emotional side of things. There's a spiritual side of things. Um, there's there's this, the mental knowledge of each other's side of things. There's this whole kind of thing grows together. And what can happen sometimes is we just, we just push forward the intimacy so far. These other things lag way, way behind. Uh, so um, theology of the body is all about building a foundation of character and virtue that is founded on self-gift, is it not? That's what TOB is really all about. It's the self-gift of a person. Um, you know, my life for you, all my life, the rest of my life for the Lord, and then learning how to live that with another person. So when you're physically intense, you're actually stunting your ability to grow in that kind of attitude. Um, and you need these other areas. You need to learn how to serve, how to lay down your life in other areas as opposed to just being physical. So um, this, is, this is radical, but... I want to challenge us today to actually take this to the Lord and maybe ask, like, okay, like, what is appropriate level of affection? And what I would say is maybe nothing more than, like, a goodnight kiss while you're dating. Because think about it, like, people never want to get physical faster. Like, you got your whole life for that. So why risk that um, more? I guess the burden of proof is on you. Like, you can, like, you tell me, why should you not do that? Um... I think this is all about really a high ideal that we want to take to this. And this is, again, it's not a checklist. This, isn't a lot. this is just something for you to consider, to take to prayer and to say, okay, Lord, how can you want me to lead this relationship? How do you want me to engage this? Where are you working in all this? So it's one thing to draw these kind of boundaries. It's another thing to watch for the near occasion of sin. This is like, you know, the Netflix and chill, right? Like alone, dorm room, 1 a.m., Netflix, on a couch, probably not the best place to be. So you have to kind of set up these, like, okay, like, situational boundaries, if you will. So that's a really important part of this same pure while you're dating. Uh, not staying in each other's houses. If you're ever in the same bed, probably not the best idea ever if you're dating. Um, so, good. Yeah. We're, we're landing the plane now. And this is, this, is, this is a heavy talk. And the point of the talk is not to give you a bunch of rules, but it's to reorient how you look at dating, right? It's to say, okay, Lord, 
I, I love Andrew's thing about, uh, he talked about Peter um, by the sea when Jesus was re- resurrected, right? He said, like, our story is a lot like Peter's story, where we've experienced Jesus breaking into our lives, right? We're like, yeah, the Lord, resurrection. Um, and then he comes to us again and says, do you love me? And in that moment, Jesus kind of has like a second call for Peter, right? And Peter's already kind of gone all in. He's like, John was like, it's the Lord. And Peter like jumped in the water. But then like Peter, Jesus kind of got real with Peter. He's like, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, I like friendship like you. And Jesus was saying agape. And we kind of like talk over the Lord sometimes. But this is a great way for us to put our money where our mouth is in our life and make some real hard choices for the Lord. Being like, God, I know you're going to fulfill me. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. My future is not the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. And you're directing all things according to your will. And when you make these sacrifices, when we go all in in this way, God blesses it. And he brings about a fruitfulness that isn't even conceived in our minds right now. Takes us beyond where we think we can go. So this is not a moral code. These are principles we've learned from experience we want to give to you. Um, You need to apply these. That's your small group. Uh, That's with your brothers and your sisters, your housemates, whatever it is. Like, talk about this stuff. If you're in a relationship, you haven't opened up about it, I encourage you, open up about it. What do you have to lose? Like, let, let bring it to the light and, like, let the Lord start to heal stuff. Let the Lord start to be um, guiding the center of it. Again, if you're discouraged right now, like, don't be. Jesus is at work in your life. Amen? Amen. Like, don't be discouraged. Let's take some steps here today. Make some commitments. Talk to some brothers about it. Get some accountability and move forward. Um, maybe, again, if you're like, ah, oh, this is just a bunch of, this doesn't really apply to me. Like, I encourage you. Sit with this. Say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? Because it's not John and Anna's words. Like, what does the Lord want to convict you of tonight? Because I know there's something for every single person in this room. What does the Lord want to convict you of tonight? So again, what's at stake? It's transforming culture. And we know that transform culture starts with transform families that are started with transform marriages that are made up of transformed people. And that's what we're about here in St. Paul's Outreach tonight, to be transformed. We're going to have a great chance to worship tonight to allow the Lord again to renew us in his Holy Spirit and increase our zeal um, to go out and say all my life the rest of my life. Amen.